Hello and welcome to Girl Gone Canon. Girls, actually. I, it's Girl Gone Canon featuring plus one girl guest. I am one of your hosts, Chloe, here for Hot D, Hot D Primer, Unleashing the D episode. Oh my God, I think this is episode four. I think this is episode four featuring one of my very good friends. I'm so excited to finally have her on. It, it's not Arya episode time believe it or not, or we'd have her on probably then too. But Mallory Sanrixian, hello. Thank you so much for coming on and hanging out with me for this. Hi. Good to see you. Good to be with you. Good to be here. I'm so hyped to talk some of that hashtag hot D. So thrilled that that's our actual hashtag we get. (laughs) I'm so ready. So ready. (laughs) You are like my dragon aficionado. Uh, When I think dragons, I think you. You love all things dragons, all fantasy dragons, not just hot D, not just got, (laughs) got, um, um, you are like my dragon queen. You've drawn so many. First of all, Mallory is like the artist. When I say the artist, I mean it to ease, whatever you want to put on it. She is the artist. She draws me all of my whims in the fandom. She has some gorgeous stark arts. Some gorgeous dragon arts. I have all of her dragons and direwolf photos. In fact, at Ice and Firecon during the Game of Swag little like scavenger hunt game for merch that fans left everywhere, the only thing I got was a Mallory packet of stickers. And I got all the dragons and all the wolves all over again, baby. So I love your art. Tell us what's going on in your art Thank you so much. Um, Well, I am um, getting ready for a big announcement. in about a week, maybe a week and a half by the time this comes out. We'll see. Um, You said soon, so yeah. (laughs) I am going to be (laughs) opening my commissions for the first time ever since I have been in the A Song of Ice and Fire community. Yes, I have done work for people in the past, but I've always had a full-time job that has been very, very hard on me, so I haven't had a lot of time to create the pieces that I really want to for you guys. So that will be very soon. I've kind of soft launched a Twitch channel that I'll be doing art streams on. And uh, the biggest, most exciting thing is I'm coming out with a Patreon. So that will include, um, obviously, you're going to get to see early works in progress of new t-shirt designs. I have a How Strong one that has been in progress for about six months at this point. Um, I believe I was showing it off at your wedding, Chloe. (laughs) So for for quite some time, (laughs) but, uh, you know, life gets in the way and things get distracting, including that really hard job I mentioned. But long story short, Patreon is coming. Works in progress are going to be available. Um, Also, I'm going to do some tutorials and some other things. I'm still kind of developing that right now. So look forward to that. I'm so excited about the tutorials. I really am. uh, As most of you might know at home, Eliana is the more graphic artist of us i can play instruments i can sing write whatever you want me to do but i can't really draw by nature easily i have learned a lot of skills in fact the other day i was looking at some stuff doing some stuff and i've definitely improved but eliana is our first hand drawer she usually draws uh one per pov a little artwork And I also make the little album arts that you see in your podcast app or whatever. And Mallory has also contributed a lot to that. I even have a tablet now, but you guys, Mallory and Eliana (laughs) have taught me to draw with a tablet, with a computer. Uh, I have a couple days off this weekend, so I am going to do that. I'm going to do some drawing and I'm hoping to learn some more. 
from these tutorials over at Mallory's new Patreon when it launches, so keep your eyes peeled for that. And we will, of course, leave all of the links to Mallory's social media and the places you should be following her, like her merch store. Something really cool about Mallory. I just have to talk about it because she's not going to. She's honestly very humble. She's very like, no, no, no. And I, I need someone's got a someone's got a cheerlead here. Mallory has so much like t-shirt merch with like all of her art. You can get her art on t-shirts. You can get my husband has some of the art on t-shirt of like the Stannis shirt. She has a cool little Stannis shirt. I know people like him, I've heard. You should wear that shirt if you do. Uh I have a pretty good amount of of, of, of Mallory t-shirts. I've got her little tank tops. You can get tank tops. It's all threadless kind of based, right? Yep. They host some it's, of the uh, shirts, It's through so. a threadless. And I'm, I'm looking for better options because honestly, sometimes the designs don't come out perfect. So it's a good reminder to tell anybody who's ordered from any threadless shop, which is very prevalent in our fandom, that if you don't like your print, you can send it back to threadless and get a replacement. But uh, I like to call it Sanry swag. There's quite a lot of Sanry swag out there with more to come. I've got about 15 designs planned, sketched out to launch before Hot D launches. We'll see how many I get before oh. we get Hot D, but definitely going to have some team greens, team bla- blacks shirts, a mushroom was right, Rhaenyra did nothing wrong. Oh, yes. I'm sorry, where is mushroom? And Rhaenyra did nothing wrong. Yeah. Okay, some sneak peeks. I love that. Where is mushroom? Where is mushroom? That's what it should be. Sure. Where, where is, is mushroom? <laughs> Hashtag, where is he? You know, where in the world? Mushroom, but in a Carmen San Diego. Oh, that'd outfit. be great. Yes. <laughs> I usually associate that with Ashara Dane, right? I'm like, where in the world is right. Ashara Dane? But I think where in the world is Mushroom? Yeah, I feel like too. Mushroom would be the Waldo in the situation. And Ashara <laughs> would be like more like the Carmen <laughs> San Diego. What? I like it. I like it. Though you don't think Mushroom could be the femme fatale here. I don't know. I just don't know. (laughs) I'm just kidding. This is a joke. My God. Uh, Yeah, so I imagine you might have some dragon ideas when it comes to Hot D. Like, as far as artwork and as far as design ideas. Honestly, I've been thinking a lot about the design, and we've seen very little. We've only seen a little bit. And it's not dissimilar to what we saw with Game of Thrones, which doesn't surprise me, to be fair. They have to retain some sort of similarity to kind of evoke you know we're involved with one another in some tangential way but what are we gonna see with these dragons coming to a screen near us well um if i mean i have so many so many dragon thoughts chloe uh to to respond to one of your (laughs) earlier statements there was um you're talking about the way the preview footage we've seen of the dragons which if i had to take a guess in the trailer we got the golden slash yellowest dragon is probably Syrax. And then later, mm-hmm. I do not think that's Caraxes. I've heard a lot of people mention that. I feel like Caraxes is too large for the scale of what that's in. That looks like more of a younger dragon, possibly one tra- chained up in the dragon pit. But as far as what we've seen for the visual design of the dragons, they're very similar to the Game of Thrones dragons, yes. And as some of you may know or may not know, um, my real job, quote unquote, is a 3D animator (laughs) for the TV show Archer. Um, I mainly work in realistic to hyper-realistic, meaning like extremely has to be on point, every groove, every detail, every flake of dust, like the glossy properties of this must match real world, very difficult stuff. So I understand um, from a technical perspective how hard all this stuff is to do. Now, for a show like Hot, Hot D, 
hot, 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 hot. I was going to say Hot of the Dragon, House of the Dragon. For a show like House of the Dragon, made by HBO, you know that there's a lot of money going in there. But visual effects do cost a lot of money. So what I think they're doing is they're taking the original base models for Drogon, Viserion, and Rhaegal, which were all pretty much the same model, as far as I can tell from watching the show a thousand times, the same model, just painted differently. From what I can tell what they're doing for our new dragons, they're slightly modified. They're around the same like base, like obviously it's gonna be what George says is a proper dragon. Two wings, two legs, a tail and a head, not four legs, and George and I differ on that, but that's okay. Um, but it's the same <laughs> dragon model, but the preview footage of uh, the first dragon flying in the trailer, which I think is Syrax, um, I watched that probably 50 times because I'm a crazy person obsessed with dragons. It's Syrax. It's, it's, it's Syrax. Syrax. Like, her horns look a little bit different. And then the pop, the Punko, Punko, Jesus, the Funko Pops that they released, the Syrax, her horns curve slightly different than what Drogons look like. So I'm hoping for dragon variety because George did promise us 16 unique dragons. And when I think unique, I think, you know, the same family or the same species but maybe like way different horns or different head decorations like those pokey points at the back are called the crest that run along the neck like you know give me more variety so we'll see what we get and the coloring right the coloring and the grading on that and that is something interesting right the assets and, and for me the, the way i look at this comes from a very video game point of view right like i play a lot of sims 4 and i see them release each time they release an expansion pack or some sort of dlc content that you have to pay money for even though it's the same assets they've slightly edited at the same time i'm not mad because i get it like why would you alter the original blueprint that worked so well too much like use what works alter it a little bit change the coloring the grading change uh the the kind of significant features like horns mm -hmm. and that i'm hoping we see more of that like my favorite dragon god my favorite dragon is moon dancer mm. um i love moon dancer i love bela bela is one of my favorite characters in all of pre <laughs> i don't talk about her a lot but i do love her and i love i used to have a bong named oh moon yeah dancer. It was a teal, silvery, turquoisey, beautiful bong, all swirly and gorgeous. I still have it. I need to, like, get some parts to adjust it. But it's there. It'll come back. Nice. But that's, like, the one. I think we're going to see. I think so, too. I do think we'll see that escape eventually. Not now, but eventually. We'll give them money for that. Right. Yeah. I, we definitely will get to her. Um, she is. She's a beautiful dragon. She's described as, like, what is it? Um pale green with pearl horns and crest I believe and um, something I noticed like yeah. just being a maniac and looking at all the descriptions of the dragons and recently redoing a read through and paying extra attention um, the color variations obviously are going to get more and more um, diverse as the dragons are more and more inbred because if you think about it the three dragons that came over um, from old Valeria uh, Valeria and Maraxes and Vagar, um, which we actually have all three of their colors now, partially in thanks to me because I asked Miss Sam Hogg <laughs> on Twitter what color is freaking Vagar. We have asked George three times, please tell us. We being Aziz and Ashea, but we as in a fandom. And um, she did give us that answer. Vagar was described as, I have it written down here, bronze with greenish blue highlights and bright green eyes. Mm, that's beautiful. 
Yeah, right? Very beautiful. Meraxes was silver with gold accents and eyes, I believe. And then Balerion is just described as black, straight black. Um, a lot of people think maybe he was black and red like Drogon, but he in the text is described as straight black as far as I remember. But we have this black dragon, the silver dragon, and basically this uh, bronze dragon, metallics, giving birth to all these other dragons. And obviously inbreeding. So it's kind of an interesting reflection in a way for House Targaryen becoming more and more inbred. Obviously at this point, at the dance, at the start of Hot D, we have more families marrying in, but still the brother marrying sister tradition producing those uh, inbred characteristics is definitely, I think, reflected in the dragons. I love that idea. I never really thought about their color being evoked through their breeding and that. Like, I mean, I I, I understand. <laughs> Listen, The Sims 4 just put out a werewolves yes. pack and I've been very much a furry for the past four weeks in that game. And I've been very into adding coloring. Nice. I have, like, you can actually you can actually go in and, like, you can do real op- opacity, fucking around with the opacity, get a little transparent and add highlights and lowlights and colors. Uh, you can add flame to their coat, but, but that says something, right? And I, I feel like there's something interesting about those three original dragons. Each one had a very different fate, right? Like, Balerion actually dies of old age during Jaehaerys One's reign, which he does too. Maybe that's foreshadowing of the greatest dragon mm-hmm. dying, or whatever. Uh, Vagar was named for a god of old Valyria, right? That's where yep. the name came from. So not only is the color so interesting... But that, alongside then, of course, it's riders. You get people, uh, Visenya, you have Visenya uh, riding, and then, of course, Vagar has Balin Targaryen ride him, Lady mm-hmm. Lena Valerian, and then Prince Aemon Targaryen. And his remains are recovered a few years after the God's Eye. He dies in 130 AC in the God's Eye. And then Meraxes. Yep. <sighs> Oh, Meraxes, Rhaenys' dragon, who, of course, dies in Hellholt and is never seen again. So just kind of like, it's interesting thinking of like what the Stark mm-hmm. wolves, right? And the fates of the different wolves of what happens to Rickon's wolf, Shaggy Dog, in the end, we'll find out someday. Greywind, of course, mm-hmm. Lady, of course. Uh, and then you have Nymeria and Summer out there and Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> So then you have all these dragons, though. That's something that I find very prominent in Fire and Blood, especially, is getting to know the personalities of the dragons, where we don't really get that as much in A Song of Ice and Fire with Danny's dragons. We get, obviously, we get Danny's like, love and her, um, her great, deep desire to protect them, and also how they're kind of like her, they're her house, and they're also her children, and they're everything that is important to her. We get that very, very clearly, but we don't get to see, like, personalities or anything. And yeah, they're not like the direwolves, you know? They're not pets, and we have that famous line, a dragon is not a horse, which, if I remember correctly, was when um, poor baby Jaceris tried to fly Cyrax, and she shrugged him off and dropped him, and I mean, yeah, they're, they're reptilian, and as an owner of both furry creatures and slithery creatures... Um, I can tell you it is very different uh, to have, like, a cold-blooded reptilian pet and then to have, like, a cat or a dog. Or I know a dire wolf is not a dog, but it's still a a creature that would bond more with a human. So I think that's very interesting. Another interesting thing I was thinking about uh, that Aziz actually says in, um, I think it was his with Radio Westeros' Dance of the Dragons three-part series. He talks about the cannibal, who we hopefully will get to see in Hot D, and I'm super excited about, who's a black dragon with green eyes. 
which is also the coloration of Shaggy Dog, which is interesting. He says it's kind of like a symbol for House Targaryen eating itself. So that kind of um, led me originally when I heard this, whenever they came out with it uh, about three or four years ago, I was like, wow, that's interesting. There could be something there um, with the colors of the dragons. I love that. And I actually think it's more likely that Damon is seeing in the cave one of those kind yeah. of dragons, right? Before we actually see them claimed, like Sea Smoke, Vermithor, uh, What's the one you just said? Cannibal. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Cannibal. Cannibal. Like, maybe that is more likely the one that we're seeing in those caves. Uh, that's so interesting. I love thinking of these these dragons that we're seeing before they're kind of ridden and chosen by some of these dragon seeds. Yeah, it's very interesting. Like, And if you remember, Syrax was actually born uh, before and was raised, um, and uh, Rhaenyra actually came and claimed her when she was seven years old. So yes. she's a little bit bigger. I, The sizing is very hard um, to like remember because there's so many dragons. Um, I say so many and really it's only like 28, but it's a lot. <laughs> but uh, I think that'll become important to sizing in some aspects, especially in some of the battles, right? Between some of the mm-hmm. older dragons, the OGs versus the newer ones. But at the same time, I think it's kind of similar to you know, the, the age debacle going on with some of these actors cast as older versions, younger versions, and what timelines mean. I've seen a lot of people get really into that and be really into what those timelines mean, and I'm like, I don't think it matters. I think they're just going to kind of not <laughs> pay fun. that close attention to things like that. Um, like, as much as we are obsessed with this this uh, property, and we're, I'm like, for instance, me with my obsession with the dragon colors, I know that George doesn't really think that that matters as much as it does to me. I think some symbolism might be intentional, like melees and um, Caraxes are both red. What does that mean? You know, like some Mm -hmm. of it. um, And then the other ones like Sunfire being described as the most beautiful dragon in the world. What is, you know, like I feel like that can have implications to the story, but I feel like George's specific thing, uh, sorry, his specific picking of these colors might not be as much as I think it means, but I think it's interesting to think about. But as far as to what you're saying with, um, like, the timeline and things like that, and, of course, HBO taking this over, they're probably going to blur the lines on some things and simplify some things to make it easier. I mean, myself, as a fan of this, actively consuming these texts for, like, five to seven years at this point, I still can't keep all of the Targaryens straight. I try my hardest, but I'm like, Jahara... Jaharis, Jaceris, and I'm like, I have to think and be sure I'm correct. So it's going to be a challenge for everybody, especially people who um, are show only or have no um, book experience. Yeah. Book experience. I do expect HBO will put out some infographics they used to do for Game of Thrones, right? Of some family trees just to keep people's minds straight. Yeah. Because that was hard. That was hard for the common public to accept of these people are related, these Uh-oh. people aren't, yada, yada. Just keeping the trees straight. Uh, I kind of love that idea of the parallels, though, the relation between the dragons that you're speaking of and the people that ride them. For example, like Beleriand, right? You have Aegon one riding him. You have uh, King Magor one, Arya Targaryen, and then Viserys one rode him very briefly before he actually died during Jaehaerys one's mm-hmm. reign. So you have a very wide span where. You have someone like Vagar, who was written from Lena to Aemond, etc., as we spoke about. Um, 
I think there's definitely some kind of parallel between the riders and the dragon and the colors and the riders and the dragon, like Meraxes, for example, with Rhaenys' coloring. Mm-hmm. It's fair is the one where I, I, um, I know that the blacks have a lot of dragons on their side. Um, if I remember correctly, they have a few more. Until they don't. Until they don't. Until um, Sandry's going to cry very, very hard when the storming of the dragon pit <laughs> happens. Um, but... Chloe. That's gonna suck. That's what season two, three, 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 four. I don't know. Four. Hopefully, push it off as long as possible. But Vagar, please. Vagar was Visenya's dragon, and Vagar has always been a female dragon to me. Maybe it's like a girl power thing. Um, I have this deep like belief that she was a lady, and she laid the first clutches of eggs after Meraxes died. All you had was Balerion. Which is Aegon, Big Daddy Aegon, Big Dick Aegon, number one boy. <laughs> you know, like, that's not going to be the girl dragon. Sorry, it's going to be Vagar if their genders change. Vagar being on the side of the greens at the end, like, she was Lena's originally, and then being Aegon's, uh, is it, I'm sorry, Aemon's. I was just like, I don't know. That just, yeah, that never sat right with me. Okay, this is anti-green propaganda, to be fair, but, like, all of the dragons chosen during that funeral by those boys seems like wrong it doesn't seem right and like some of them accept them yeah 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 but like it just doesn't feel right right religiously speaking as a as a dragon yes it does not feel right it's very weird some of those some of those choices are very weird and that one was very weird for me especially like lena and vagar just breaks my heart like how she had both of her kids she flew both of her kids on the dragon just went down there and was like i'm picking the biggest baddest dragon that's left and i'm taking my baby son on a dragon ride and then she did it again with her other son and then she died and the last thing she did was she wanted to fly Vagar, and that just rips my heart out that you know some freaking man has her afterwards i don't know that's anti-green of me as well but i told you what side i stand on (laughs) yeah and there's something about the valerians and what they continually sacrifice for the targaryens and to uphold you know, keeping their culture alive in some aspects, that, that that just makes me sad. Like, knowing that inherently if she just wanted to get to her mm-hmm. dragon, that something within her said, go to your dragon and things will be okay. Yeah. And that's why, you know, Bela and Moondancer falling to the ground impacts me so much. It's so sad to me that her first reaction is like, I have to mm-hmm. get to Moondancer and I have to get the fuck out. And Moondancer dies and she lives in that. I mean, think of Sansa mm-hmm. without Lady. You know, like, that has to impact you. That has to feel really empty and hollow. That's a really good point. That's a very good parallel um, to draw between Sansa and her, or Sansa and Lady and Bela and Moondancer. God. Yeah, um, doesn't Moondancer, like, take out Sunfire, though, when they're when they're grappling in the air? Yeah, that's what I thought. She, she oh, wounds yeah. him enough that he never recovers, and he's got that, like, broken wing uh, for a while. And Sunfire is like a perfect symbol of like the gold and the glory of house Targaryen and everything that should be right. But then he ends up like deformed and dying and God, just like his dragon. Sunfire was beautiful, really was like glimmered and was golden. And Aegon returns after still to rule, right? Sending for some dragon, some eggs from Dragonstone, hoping he can hatch some new hoping that he can like move on and get a new one and he can't hatch one and and that feels more i guess we use the iron throne as kind of that metaphor like ah the iron throne cut you you can't Mm -hmm. rule but your dragon refuses to hatch you're you're no true targaryen 
a true egg hatches to a true Targaryen, and it's very interesting how um, how some eggs don't hatch for some people. Another thing that I found when I was researching uh, was about Dreamfire, I believe, who actually goes to Helena during the dance and is on the side of the greens, um, but she was born way long ago, I believe during the reign of Aegon I, and she did not get to be very big as a dragon, but she laid many, many clutches, and it's noted that she laid many clutches. So when we theorize about where Danny's eggs actually come from in Game of Thrones, uh, my money would probably be on Dreamfire or Moondancer. Because she isn't one that actually went mm-hmm. north, right? To Winterfell, for example. And a lot of people were like, what if that's the clutch in Winterfell? Which uh, you never know. What if it was? Or Alyssa Farman with the dragon eggs, yes. for example. It could have been because Reyna, mm-hmm. right? That was her mm-hmm. rider. Yeah. So those could be Danny's eggs. Yeah, those could very well be Danny's eggs, which. And she could also be the mother of a lot of these dragons that we have in the dance and in the conflict. So that would be really cool if, like, hers were the last ones to survive. I believe it was Vermax, who Mushroom said was the mother of the dragons in Winterfell. But again, that's according to Mushroom, so it could easily be Dreamfire, who did go north. And so did Silverwing. She was hanging out with Cregan. I'm sorry, when Alisane was hanging out with Cregan, you know, flirting, having a good time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah Vermax had gone north and then that was it right Vermax attacked a fleet flew too low di- flew too close yep. to the water went crashing drowning into the sea and Jake died mm. too Ugh, it was rough it. they weren't very big either um, at that point they were around the size of uh, Tessarion and Sunfire um, maybe a little bit smaller they were a little bit younger Compare that to Cyrax and Quicksilver and Grey Ghost, who were a little bit bigger than that. And then um, a little bit bigger would be Melee's, Caraxes, Dreamfire, Silverwing. And then the wild dragons, because they're wild, Sheepstealer, Vermithor, Cannibal, only slightly smaller than Meraxes, who was slightly smaller than Vagar, who was slightly smaller than Valerian. So it's really interesting how the more contained they are and the more like hidden in the dragon pit, the dragons are, they obviously get smaller and smaller and more and more inbred. So something something going on there about the power of House Targaryen starting to turn in on itself and start to crumble, for sure. And I'm really excited like to see this on screen. I think I'm most excited about probably <sighs> Rhaenys and Maelys and Daemon and Caraxes, if I had to pick like two dragons. Because Vhagar is not Visenya's anymore. My favorite, like, if I had to pick one Targaryen I love more than anything, it's Visenya. Yes, I know she's, like, batshit insane. I'm kind of sad we're not getting her in Hot D, but maybe we'll have a conquest story. But, yeah, Melees and Rainies for sure. If anything, I think Magor's story could actually be very much so turned into a show. The conquest as part of the first season, Magor as the second half. I could see that. I'm not particularly inspired by Magor's reign, personally. Mm -hmm. That's a personal opinion that I don't choose to let Magor inspire <laughs> yeah. me. Um, but I feel like the drama and the witchcraft and like Tyanna, mm-hmm. for example, I know you're a big Tyanna mm-hmm. fan, big Tyanna stan in the household. Uh, I feel like those characters can be really inspiring, though the same archetype is like Missaria, Damon, Rhaenyra. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I get it. I get where it's the same and it's all sandbox. But Silverwing... You spoke about mm-hmm. Silverwing. Silverwing's one of the very last dragons, right? Silverwing lives at Red Lake during the Regency of mm-hmm. Aegon III. 
Uh, we don't know when Silverwing dies or died. Obviously, probably dead. But Silverwing could be out there. We just don't know. We just don't know. It's like the last bastion of like good house Targaryen. Like, obviously, you named your cats Jay and Allie for like two of the best. Just quality, good king, good queen, like out there making moves for the people. And obviously, good queen Allie is another one of my huge, huge favorites. And the fact that Silverwing gets to live that long and she survives the, you know, like she's not in the dragon pit. She's not around when that happens. And it just makes me happy for her because she's a beautiful lady. <laughs> Yeah, she's a sweet dragon, I feel like. Very graceful. And, yeah, I hope we get to see Silverwing at some point. Somehow, because Ulf rides her, right? Isn't, Mm -hmm. yeah, Ulf the White rides her. So we should see Silverwing, hopefully, in seasons three or four, I think. Yeah. I'm thinking we'll probably see Syrax, um, Caraxes, um, maybe a bit of, I think it's Sheep Stealer, if, if I'm, like, theory crafting from the five seconds of the trailer we got i think that sheep stealer in the cave his hair length it, it looks like post stepstones mm-hmm. stones because it's the shorter length at the time he could be going back to the veil right after his mm-hmm. wife dies maybe could be like maybe he's like stealing an egg or something from there or putting it back or i don't know but um definitely chloe uh matt damon hair uh, expert Matt Damon, expert in all things. How are, how are you excited about Matt Smith? Sorry, Matt Damon. <laughs> wow, Matt Damon and Hot D. Mallory said it first. MalloryDorn.com. San Rixian has told us that Matt Damon is going to be in the Hot D universe. Who is Matt? Who Damon is Matt Damon? Um, getting my. Who would he play? Old yeah. the White, Hugh, Hugh the, the Hammer? Hammer, probably Hugh the Hammer. <laughs> um, what's that? You're, you're in the Thor mode. You know what I mean? You're like ready for Thor, ready for the fake actors in Thor to show up. Yeah, I'm not, I have not quite accepted that we're getting more Aswath content for sure. I'll believe it when I see it at this point, unless this timeline, <laughs> this darkest timeline truly explodes and we all go to hell in the handbasket. But, whew. Oh, yeah, we're I know. going. We're going, sister. Uh, we're on Apocalypse Year 2, right? <laughs> Matt Smith is semi-exciting in this role because he's just going to be dramatic, like Brit drama dramatic, and I love it. I think I love it. I I at first was like, this is the funniest shit in the world to put one of my favorite actors in a role of a character I don't necessarily love, love to hate. Uh, But now I'm kind of really going with it, and I feel like it's going to be like everyone's senior drama project. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's just going to be dramatic. It's going to be... I mean, that's what you need for Damon. He's just ridiculous. He's just, like, I know everybody has their own headcanons of him, but I think that people need to pay attention to how good Matt Smith is as a character actor. Like, um, I watched Doctor Who uh, with Viseria, our friend Viseria on Twitter. She made me watch starting at season nine, going all the way through um, the 11th Doctor, and... Sorry, the 12th Doctor. We actually got to the 13th now that I'm actually paying attention. We got to the 13th and fell off around there. I haven't gotten quite that far yet, but I am working on it. I am. I'm, uh, I've gotten to 12. I, um, I know, is, is Matt Smith your favorite Doctor? I do love Matt Smith. I guess, I don't know, favorite Doctor? Him and Nine are up there. I do love 10. I do find 10 a little overrated. Don't throw tomatoes and eggs at me. I feel you all across the internet right now. Be like, boo, boo, David Tennant, best doctor forever. We love David Tennant. I love David Tennant. I do. 
I just also love Matt Smith's ageless qualities, right? Like he is able to play this aged time lord full of self-loathing, full of vengeance and hatred and war at the same time of grief. Uh, and Tennant had a great time as that too, with a very great swan song at the end. And Matt Smith got a great swan song as well. If we're being honest, his last episodes are amazing. He holds the show very much together in a time where writing was the crisis. Uh, Peter Capaldi did not get that lucky. Peter Capaldi held it together the best he could, but that writing isn't in crisis. Dear Lord, baby child Jesus, that writing is in the gutter. Like, it just goes down and down for both him and Jenna Coleman. Mm -hmm. They both, uh, they do the best they can, and then he moves on. And I haven't gotten farther than that. I've heard some differing things on the future. I'd love to go back and watch from Peter on or Matt again, redo Matt and go on. But Matt Smith just, he had a great run. And he, I think he was able to embody kind of like the idea of like darkness at the same time. And I think Damon has got a lot of these complexities too, right? From being like dark to also like caring. Yeah. Like suddenly he has a family he does somewhat care about instead of just wants them for power. There is something else in that. And there's also something more that comes along for him. So I think it could be done well. And I think Matt Smith could do a good job of doing it well, to be fair. He could really... He could make me like the character, everyone. That could be big. That could be really big. That could be. Yeah. I'm not the hugest Damon fanboy, but um, I did want to watch Doctor Who basically so I could see Matt Smith in a role that people had said he's done really well in because I really didn't know him as an actor at all. So I went through on this long journey. Also, it was 2020 and there was nothing else to do because we were in the middle of, <laughs> still in the middle of a global panini. So uh, I watched about 5 million episodes of Doctor Who. And um, yeah, I hear what you're saying exactly. But here, seeing him embody that role, and I think that anybody who's worried should watch at least a handful of these Doctor Who episodes, especially the ones that um, he really shines in. I'll give you a list at some point, anyone who's listening who wants it. But uh, yeah, I think that he's... Uh, I think he's a strong enough actor to pull off this complicated role. And obviously there are going to people be people who will think that, you know, like, it's my fave, whether that be Damon, whether that's me with Rainies or Rhaenyra, and I'm like, I don't like this actress, or I don't like this actor, you know. Let's all just enjoy it for a while, right? Like, let's let's be happy for this content that George has said is good, and, and see how it brings us. See what it brings us. I love that there are, like, several people in this world, like... Many of them have come on being like, I just hope for peace and unity during this sweet show we're about to watch on TV. Oh, no. And I'm over here like, let it drip blood. Yeah. No, I'm ready to- Let s- everyone just drip blood at each other and venom, whatever. <laughs> Anything. Can something happen on the internet these days? My God. <laughs> I need some sort of entertainment. You ever have to, you know, scroll Twitter while you're pooping? Oh, yeah. Like, come on. Uh Every day. Every day. I need something new. Give it to me. I need a little tap tap on the vein. Mm -hmm. Tap tap. Yep. I I mean, we've got so much coming and people who think that this is a nice story we're going into. I'm sorry, y'all, but (laughs) we're reading the same books. Like, I've read Fire and Blood twice now, um, but for what's laid out in Aswaf and the A Song of Ice and Fire, it's there. You can see what happens. Like, you know what's, what's going on, so... I mean, how many... Sunfire eats a dragon and eats a person. 
you know, like, this is this is not a nice story. Let's not even get started on Blood and Cheese. And that will, probably won't be till what, like, at least third season, second season? End of second season. That's uh, episode nine, season two, maybe? I'm going to write it down, and I'm going to bookmark it or take a picture of it with the date so that when this happens, I can tweet it, like how I go back to your one tweet about Rhaenyra dying on screen. <laughs> yeah, I got the year wrong, but I did tweet... As soon as they announced Hot D was in, you know, speculative territory, that we were thinking of doing Hot D, that we were all thinking of the hottest Ds, as soon as they mentioned it, I was like, oh, good, we're going to watch a Targaryen queen get eaten on screen. That's going to go great. (sighs) Uh, They're very bold. They're bold. They're very bold. You know what I mean? Like, that is a bold, big dick move. Mm -hmm. I think they could do it to make it meaningful because that was the problem nothing meant anything in game of thrones after season four yeah season four barely meant anything Mm -hmm. after that i mean nothing meant anything so some things meant a couple things like series six had some great fan service Mm -hmm. moments series seven had a couple character moments that were like almost there and then series eight had a few moments that were completely overshadowed by all of the what in the fuck moments and it was just like a, an emptiness yeah. while watching it. It was just like an emptiness, like a howless, like how after all these things that we've gone through, how is this the end for some of these characters? Like, I'm saying it without saying it, you know what I mean? But like, how do you build a, a house on no foundation? Right, exactly. You can't, you can't. And like Hot D has this great luxury and this great opportunity simultaneously that we're going to watch, you know, it all unfold and see from point A to B to C to Z how exactly Rhaenyra loses her mind at all the bullshit happening to her and how she's groomed by different people and pushed in different directions and all of these things that were removed from different characters being removed, different plot lines being cut, different adaptational changes taking place and just different characterizations across the board with Game of Thrones where Hot D is a, you know, it's a very what's the word contained Mm -hmm. it's very contained it's a very contained story there's a beginning there's a middle there's an end there's a version before george got to elaborate and there's a version where george got to add more around the beginning middle and end i mean ryan condal and miguel sapachnik they have it they've got it on a silver platter they could do this really well in my opinion it's out there it's all written they can and it gives it gives me yeah, seriously, it gives me so much hope that George is excited about it. He's involved in it. Um, I know that it had to be hard um, as an author to have your ending, quote unquote, revealed on screen and then just <laughs> yeah. see the outlash. So, I mean, like, I I try to be understanding. Like, so the fact that he's excited about this bears good news for me. It, it, I feel like it'll be really, really good, especially since they have everything laid out for them exactly like you just said. And man, they've already started it, haven't they? In the trailer, the one trailer we have so far where Rainey says something like, men will do anything not to see a woman in power. I'm getting it wrong. Don't at me. Yeah. But you know what I mean. And I mean, ah, the queen who never was saying that to Renera Target. I'm just like, oh, God, interrupted in my veins. That's the shit that I'm living for. That's the shit I'm so excited to see. Yes, we have these wonderful dragons that I could go on and on about for four to five more hours for you, Chloe. But <laughs> it's really those interpersonal conflicts, especially with the with the Targaryen women, these warriors who can ride these crazy things. And it's like, oh, you can't be queen. You have a dragon, but I'm sorry. A crown is not for you. 
something similar to the dragons being expanded on as far as their cosmetic appearance, uh, their cosmetic appearance, like you mentioned. Um, I'm really intrigued on the characters, right? Like we get this expansion of looks in Targaryens that we get to see what a Valyrian looks like in Game of Thrones. Finally, we didn't really get that in Game of Thrones. So we got it here in Hot D. And Eve Best, you have to watch Nurse Jackie if you haven't. I want to watch an episode right after this. I'm so excited right now. I'm like <laughs> into it. She's awesome. She's in that. You really like her, I think. But she is the, like, when she was announced for Rainey's, oh. I was really excited. I, she's like a choice that I never saw coming. But, you know, there's only 10 British actors. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, there are only like 15 actors that have been in like eight British things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she is a person. I'm like, okay, I could, I could see it. And then Steve Tassant is another one that I love his work. There's a lot of really strong acting that could hold up even... I'm not casting predisposed notions. I'm just saying that if there was a poor script and these actors had to use it, I would respect and be able to follow along. Like, some of the things that our actors in Game of Thrones had to do were not always dignified. Yeah. I expect the things that our actors in Hot D will do, despite the name, will be very dignified. But if they had to be handed a poor script, I think they could do it. Yeah, I think that the weight, at least the weight of some of the actors and actresses, as you mentioned, that they they carry in their previous roles will definitely carry them through. Not saying it's going to be a bad script again, but I think that they will be able to do a lot of stuff. But what if? But what if? Yes, what if? What if we (laughs) have to live through this again? What if we all go through this? Um, Yeah. That's insanity, right? Yeah. if, If that happens to us again... Are we to blame? Is that fool me twice? That's fool me twice. Yeah, I think at this po- at that point, um, we all just decide that we're going to be um, yellow jacket stands for the rest of our lives, <laughs> and we don't talk about any other show, or we all just dive into the lost fandom and just disappear. Like that's honestly what I would think about doing. <laughs> what are what are you you in your home watching right now? What are you guys streaming? What is the thing right now there? Well, I've been really into the boys season three. Okay. Have you been okay. watching? Not yet, but it's on my list. Mm-hmm. It is now on my watch list on my serialized.com watch list. Ooh. I have a serialized little account. It's Ooh. just, I like to eat. I'm not great at movies. I try. My husband loves movies. I'm not a movies person because I don't have an attention span because I have ADHD. But I like shows because they're like 30 to 45 to an hour. And then you can like trail off in the middle and pause it and come back and it's not too bad to finish. You could finish it and be done or you could do another if you're really focusing. So I really am enjoying that. Uh, I need to do The Boys. That is on my list. I'm watching The Great right now. I'm almost finished. I'm getting close to the end of that, of where we are caught up. I'm watching, I'm finishing Battlestar Galactica, the, the, you know, reboot in the 2000s. Yeah. That's hurtful. I'm in pain. (laughs) I'm very sad. I'm in pain. No one touched me. Uh, That's Frasier. Very into Frasier right now. And that's where I am. That's... That's 2022. <laughs> <laughs> We're watching, uh, Pat has me watching The Wire because I've never Ooh, watched it yes. before. Yes. And I apologize. Oh my God, yes. I actually worked at Blockbuster during the height of The Wire and everybody would come to me and say, this is the best show ever. So naturally, as a little um, anti-establishment 
girl, I was like, no, fuck you. I'm not listening to whatever you want me to do or watching whatever you want me to watch. I'm going to watch something stupid. And I did, but I've, le- <laughs> I've learned my lesson. Um, I love it so far. I think it's got to be, like, one of Idris Elba's, like, first, like, big roles. Um, it's up there. It's up, it's there. up there. Yeah. Like, um, I was like, oh, my God, is that Idris Elba? So, like, I knew nothing about it other than vaguely what it was about going in, and I've been enjoying that. Um, also, of course... Um, Stranger Things season four. I haven't watched the second half yet, but I'm getting ready to watch that. And I'm about halfway through the third season of uh, Umbrella Academy, which is great if you haven't watched that. That's a very good one. I haven't caught up with Umbrella since season one, so I got to get back into it. Yeah. Now that you say that, that's, I think I watched a couple of season two episodes. That's a cool one because it's um, written by freaking Gerard Way. You know that, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. Um, I, <laughs> listen, to the end, my friend, to the end. Absolutely. I saw a kid at Six Flags who could have been older than 13 with a uh, My Chemical Romance shirt on. And I like literally had to chase them down and stop them and be like, is that a fucking MCR shirt? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, give me a freaking fist bump kid and you in know, the wild in the wild this is a 13 year old like child and i'm this old woman like at this point i'm 33 and i'm just like yeah give me a fist bump but a young woman you know, young you know woman I mean. you are still in the first 30th percentile <laughs> of life okay i saw them at like a warp tour nice. i just want you to know i saw my chemical romance at warp tour that's how serious i am and i had like a a three cheers for sweet revenge shirt nice. album shirt mm-hmm. that i eventually i outgrew it so i actually cut off the the top of it right ripped the collar off mm-hmm. ripped the shoulders down so they could be a crappie nice. you know down your shoulder thing cut the bottom i wore that shit it's like a crop top off the shoulder for so long i made that work for me i loved my chemical romance that album was i mean i liked all of their albums i love demolition lovers mm-hmm. is like the bop of the jam but Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge is a creative-ass album. Like, you can give it, you could say whatever you want about it, but you can't not say that. That is a, whew, Yes. Good for those boys. And now Gerard has a show. A comic. A graphic novel, I His, say. It, weirdly enough, um, the way my life works, I uh, actually was hired right outside of school in, like, 2011, uh, 2012, to do a comic book inspired by Gerard Way making his comic books. Um, oh. by a band that I will not name because they never paid me. So okay. um, they're dead to me. But long story short, I did end up on a Zoom call. B- sorry, this was before Zoom was a thing. It was Skype, but a Skype call with Gerard Way. <laughs> and I like literally got to be like, hi, Gerard, I love all your stuff. And yeah, I mean, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, top 10 albums of all time for me. So that was crazy. But he's he's just a really intelligent like man. And I like the way he messes with storytelling and how he likes to include like music and soundtracks to his stories because that's such a big thing obviously when we're watching television or movies the soundtrack is always going to be hit or miss and that has such an influence on us so the fact that he's thinking about the story and these are the songs that would play and i can write those songs was always really interesting to me and uh umbrella academy always has a slapping soundtrack for all three seasons so far for what that's worth he didn't go cheap on the budget for audio, for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really love, you know, it was inspired. Umbrella Academy was very much inspired by Chris Claremont and Mark mm-hmm. Silvestri's X-Men runs, which I love. They're, those are very near to my heart and dear to my heart. The art of them, especially the splashes of color and the splashes of design and, and some of the lighthearted levity, but also some of the very dark drama within those runs. 
And I think Umbrella Academy does kind of embody that. I think you can see a little bit of that in Umbrella Academy and the way, I mean, the way Gerard and the show is guided by music, especially that, that feels very special. I hope that, and I mean, we have Raman Dejuai back for House of the Dragon, Mm -hmm. right? So we know the soundtrack is going to be motherfucking slapping. (sighs) We know that the music is going to be going off. Oh, yeah. yeah. No matter what. No matter what. I mean, how many times did you listen to Danny's, like, the Targaryen thing? The, ah, mm-hmm. ah, 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 like, flames yes. erupting. How many times did you listen to that? And, like, even if the show wasn't great at the time, the visuals and that song was enough. The Stark themes. Yep. You know what? I can imagine a better Stark future than what they gave us just by listening to the song. So I could, I could get down with that, you know? So him back is a big deal. A big deal. Yes. I am so excited about that. That it'll, it'll carry the feeling and the mood and the atmosphere. So far, um, from a critical perspective, all the CGI looks great. I didn't have a problem with any of the CGI in Game of Thrones. I thought it was all amazing. Um, the amount of work and labor and time put into all that stuff. I remember complaining um, around in season seven that Danny's dragons all look the same, Drogon, Viserion, and Rhaegal. And then at the end, when uh, Viserion fell, I was like, oh shit, they were doing that on purpose so you wouldn't know which dragon it was. They were purposely hiding the colors because as soon as that happened, you know, the ones that were left, you could obviously tell Rhaegal's bronze and green, Drogon's black and red, so... I'm so excited that that atmosphere will be there, and I know they're going to do great on the CGI. We haven't probably gotten a lot of the um, previews of the dragons just in general because they're probably still working on that uh, CGI right now. I can tell you that I've worked on eight episodes of Archer since December. It's about a three-week to four-week turnaround per episode, and I've had I've done everything from you know, 50 backgrounds an episode to 300 backgrounds an episode. So it just depends on when they need that CGI, how much is going in, how many people are working on it. It's going to be a lot, but I think it'll be beautiful. And I'm so excited to see our babies on the screen. And it's only 20 to 30 minutes for an Archer episode, right? Like this Mm -hmm. is going to be the upwards of an hour. Yeah. This is a lot. Uh, And they don't want to blow their load too early right on dragons in the trailer because a they're not ready yet like you said they are finishing that up until the last second you know that some poor motherfucker is going to be like go run this down right now and get it to the office get it uploaded take this file and get it there and once you get it there don't stop don't talk to anyone and you have like 1.3 minutes to get there like, you know some fucker is going to be stuck with that job. Yeah, to give you to give you just, like, a, a base comparison, like, there's, like, four people. Me, another girl, and then, like, maybe three or four, five people who work on Archer on the other side. Uh, just for the backgrounds. I do the backgrounds. And wow. there's a team of maybe, like, 50. I don't know exactly because they don't communicate that with that to me. But <laughs> maybe 50, like, actual people all together making these 20 to 30 minute episodes. That's eight episodes. It takes us you know, six to eight months to do that. So this is 15 times that scale. Like, just for the VFX shots, who knows how many artists have touched this at this point. Um, And, yeah, exactly like you're saying, like, we haven't really gotten a break um, in the entertainment industry. There's a lot of things going on in animation, pushing for better pay for um, new artists. Hashtag uh, New Deal for Animation, um, StoryCraft Unite, you know, like, 
we've been pushed through this pandemic because what does everybody rely on when they're trapped at home? Media. Media and entertainment. And, you know, there's yeah. there's been no break. We were all just thrown inside and told, okay, you can do this from your room now. <laughs> so it's a, it's a lot of work for these people. And um, it's some of the best that I've seen. Um, I was really did not like the dragon and the witcher, for instance. I thought those were very poor. But the Game of Thrones dragons I thought were great. So it's been a couple years now. Technology's better. Um, you know, like our new render engines are better. So I can't wait to see what they come up with. Especially with the fire. With the fire sims, they're going to be, quote, fire. Ha. <laughs> but, yeah. Do you think we'll see any changes in flame on some of these dragons? We should. Um, Sunfire has golden flames. Um, yeah. I think Valyrian has what, black and red? Valyrians were black. Um, Tessarion has blue. I think Melee's is described as red. I think Caraxes is described as red. So we might see some different colors in the flames, which would help to differentiate them for sure. But they always do um, the color grading on all the shots. So obviously... Um, it might not Might not be matter. perfect. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm interested to see how they'll differentiate them, right? What what sort of differentiation will happen for the dragons? Yeah. Because you have to. You have to make them look different, just like you have to make the Targaryens look different in some aspects. Mallory, this has been a really fun time. I'm really glad you got to come on today and chat about dragons with me and chat about hot Ds with me and the Ds to come and the Ds that will be coming. <laughs> that being said... <laughs> Tell us where we could find you online. Any last words and thoughts to close out? And uh, hopefully we'll have you back soon. Oh, well, I'd like to say thank you for having me. I had a wonderful time with you unleashing um, my dragon um, <laughs> autism, if you will. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I um, thank you for having me on. Um, I want you to know that you have improved wildly. And your art as your journey has progressed because I remember your first POV drawings and I remember when you were drawing with a mouse and killing yourself and I'm going to get you out of GIMP. Don't worry. Eventually, <laughs> I'm going to get you out of GIMP. But I just wanted to um, mention that. And Thank you. Um, Thank you. You guys know me. I'm at Sanrixian, S-A-N-R-I-X-I-A-N um, on Twitter, uh, pretty much everywhere. Uh I will be launching a Patreon and commission soon, so that will be put out through Twitter, and uh, links will be provided. So check it out, sanrixian.com if you want some t-shirts, mallorydorn.com if you just want to look at my art. There's a tag for all of the dragons I have drawn since like 2013 until now on that website if you want to look at that, and uh, also Aswaf tags if you want to look at that art. So thank you. Yeah, I've got lots of Mallory art at home. I suggest you do the same. Order some up over at her page in her shop. Uh, there's even a commissioned piece that I commissioned privately, very privately. I got in. I know some people. I got in before <laughs> the ASWAF public commissions went live, and I got myself a little piece. And spoiler, it's for an essay I haven't published so will I publish it for Mallory? Maybe I will. Is it Marcella Lannister? Maybe it is. You might find out. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, guys. You definitely should publish it. I think it's a very interesting idea, and I really like the piece I created for it. So let's get I that out the there art. for the world. Club. I love it. <laughs> I'm working on it this summer. I, I'm hoping by the fall you'll nice. have something. 
Thanks so much, Mallory. We'll talk to you all very soon. Will Eliana return? It's a surprise. Stay tuned till next week. Goodbye.